Radio engineers ready to press the record button? Ready for takeoff? Welcome on 747. This is Radio for Breakport, broadcasting on 747 AM in the medium wave band, but also on DAB+, digitally also on the internet. And welcome on board, welcome to Ralu On Board, a program about leaders and leadership, hosted by Ralu Nestor Lestormans. And our guest today is Gijs Franken, and you may have already seen he is the communication manager at Eindhoven Airport because he gave us a room with a view. For this edition, we couldn't have been closer to onboarding our today's leader because, as you just mentioned, Jean-Paul, we are facing the runway of Eindhoven Airport. On board, in edition eight, we have someone who has a passion for connecting people, is also very interested in sustainability. He's a communication expert, a trained journalist, and he joins all the, his skills and passions in one role as the communication director of Eindhoven Airport. Heis, welcome to Run On Board. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you for this wonderful view you organized for us. Yeah, well, if you got uh, Ralu uh, coming over, then uh, we need to uh, make everything possible, eh? <laughs> Thank you. So are we ready to get on board? Yeah, we're ready for takeoff. Ready for takeoff. Excellent. <laughs> Tell us something about ready to take off at Eindhoven Airport. Let's set the, uh, the scene for our, um, uh, for our listeners and give them some insights about what happens at Eindhoven Airport. Yeah, a lot of things uh, happen on Eindhoven Airport, uh, of course. Uh, for first and foremost, we are, of course, the airport for the region, uh, the region Eindhoven, the, the wider uh, Brainport uh, region. So that's already something that we have in common uh, to have uh, uh, a target group uh, that we uh, we both focus uh, on. Now, we've been around already for more than uh, 90 years in, uh, in the Eindhoven uh, region. Uh, not exactly on, on where we are right now, because the, the, the first airport that um, was established in uh, 1923 was uh, at Meerhoven. So uh, you can still see uh, the little uh, airport uh, building there, which now is a, um, uh, is a little restaurant uh, where you can have uh, nice sandwiches. And by the way, if you're there, a lot of pictures from the old days uh, are hanging on the wall. So uh, if you haven't visited uh, yet, uh, go and uh, see it if you're interested. Uh, so that was the location of, of the first uh, airport uh, for Eindhoven. Was that called the Welschap yes. Airport? Yes. Okay. I've done my due diligence and I thought, was that maybe the first place and the yeah. first name of the airport? Yeah, and maybe also something good to know is that, uh, of course, nowadays it's called Eindhoven Airport. But uh, until uh, the 90s, uh, Eindhoven Airport was in, in Veldhoven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Welschap was uh, originally uh, a little township uh, of... Uh, uh, the city of uh, of Veldhoven. Well, it was a city back then. It was a little uh, the townships uh, all together, but it was uh, Veldhoven ground where Eindhoven Airport was, uh, or back then Welschap uh, uh, was established. And was the airport from the beginning having a tourist uh, business model, or was it maybe just to land in trading, you know, uh, goods from around the world? What's the role there at that time, and what's the role now? Yeah, well, if you're going to take a little bit of a history lesson, uh, which is quite interesting, though, because uh, the parts of history uh, that uh, eventually uh, created Eindhoven Airport, as we know it right now, started uh, more than 19 years ago. Uh, yeah, back then you didn't have the big planes like we are looking at for the listeners at home uh, from the city's window, so not the big Boeings and uh, the Airbuses. But, uh, yeah, almost 100 years ago, you only had the, the, the wooden airplanes with the cotton fabric uh, bodywork on, on the side with maybe one or two pilots, the, the, the aviation pioneers that risked their lives to, uh, uh, to reach for the, uh, for the sky. To the sky. Yeah, uh, that was the, the series back then. And, and those enthusiasts uh, have started it uh, back then. Uh, it was also the time where the um, uh, aviation pioneers who started to think about bigger airplanes, and that started with, with cargo, like Fokker and, uh, and the like, uh, they said, well, uh, let's start to see if we can also... Uh, create an airport in, in the south of the Netherlands. 
uh, because back then, uh, well, the, the world has not increased in size, but uh, for humanity 100 years ago, it was a completely different uh, story, of course. Uh, and and, and the, the South, uh, before the, um, uh, in the interbellum between the First and the Second uh, World War, we didn't have the, the runway, uh, the, the, the highways F, as we have right now, and not the railway station as we have right now. But we had cities coming up. We had Philips uh, starting gaining ground here in, uh, in, in the south. So back then, uh, KLM said, "Well, let, let's start to uh, let's start to have to create also aviation uh, in the south of the Netherlands." And basically, what they said was to 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 free the south out of its isolation. That that was the motto back then. Free the south out of its isolation. Yeah. And, and that's where it all started. And then you started cargo coming in a little bit. So Philips uh, started to move its uh, radios uh, uh, all over the place in, in, in Europe because, uh, yeah, they, they started to, to grow. And Eindhoven have grow, yeah, has grown with it. Yeah, and Eindhoven did grow a lot in the last 100 years, as you said. Yeah. And today, as we are recording this podcast, I see four big Boeing airplanes ready to take off. Yep. And we've seen in preparing a couple of uh, them landing. Um, how is Eindhoven Airport today? Is completely different, right? And what's the role of Eindhoven Airport today in the Brainport area? Yeah, the, the, size, the vision of a yeah. hundred years ago, I think, is. Yeah, I'm going to tell fulfilled. you a funny story about it because, indeed, uh, well, the, the size and the place is totally different than hundred years ago, of course, and uh, the technology is, is, is nothing compared to uh, what you saw back then. But actually, the role has not changed because the fact that it started uh, almost 100 years ago uh, with the idea to create an airport that could serve the, the wider Eindhoven region is still our purpose today. So that that, that role has not changed. Uh, we still have uh, the, the, the majority of our passengers come from this region and the destinations that we have which are, of course, uh, more and, and uh, further spread than 100 years uh, ago, is still based on the needs that we identify for the Brainport region, or the Brainport uh, region uh, has identified and uh, has told us that uh, what their wish list uh, would be in order to, uh, to fly from Eindhoven. And how, um, how are the flights from Eindhoven? We are talking that it started with the need for commercial flights. Um, I know that Eindhoven is a pretty special airport. It's not only a civil airport, has a double and you for me actually a triple role. Yeah. That is, is pretty unique. True. Let's tell our listener what it is this uniqueness of Eindhoven Airport. Yeah, that's basically also a part of uh, how it has grown since uh, it all started uh, in uh, the 1920s, is that um, we... Um, are currently at a uh, military air force base, and that was because of the fact that uh, after the first war, or during the first, uh, sorry, sorry, second world war, uh, uh, the German occupation forces uh, took over the keys of the airport and uh, made it a military uh, air force, uh, air force base. And sorry for yeah. interrupting. Yeah. I'm yeah. just seeing yeah. a military airplane. I think at yeah. the end of the runway. Ready for takeoff. Yeah, that's true. While yeah. we see other two commercial airplanes ready also for taking off. Does, in this case, the military airplane, I suppose, has priority? Uh, depends. Okay. Yeah, depends on what uh, the tower uh, says. Uh, normally, um, uh, arriving airplanes, uh, have, uh, uh, they, they go first yeah, because uh, they need to land and then uh, planes taking, uh, taking off need to wait until uh, the airspace is, uh, is clear. So uh, basically what happens now, and uh, for the viewers at home who are only listening, uh, sort of listeners then, of course, uh, you see now that uh, the, the planes are waiting for each other and the uh, uh, flight control uh, now is in contact with the pilots of, uh, of these planes in order to, uh, to prioritize uh, who goes uh, first. And um, when, when a plane comes in, uh, it, it, it has uh, the right to land first uh, before uh, planes are, uh, are taking off. But uh, it, it's all well controlled and it's not that busy today, so it's, uh, they don't run into trouble. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted the story and yeah. was really interested. <laughs> so the, the keys of the airport have been taken by the French occupation, sorry, by the, the German yeah, occupation. Yeah, yeah. And it became a military base. Yeah. 
until the end of the, the Second World War. And then uh, the British uh, RAF uh, took over because then we were, in, as the Netherlands, in a position that we need to build up the country. And uh, this was all prepared as a, as a military air force base. And uh, because to bring more stability in, uh, in Europe, uh, the British Air Force uh, took control for, uh, for a few years until the, the Dutch Air Force was up to strength uh, in order to, uh, mm -hmm. to start operations uh, again. And when uh, that was uh, taking place, uh, also the Philips uh, Corporation was uh, booming again in the 1950s. And uh, because of the fact that he had all the facilities uh, in, uh, in the neighborhood, which was operated uh, by the military air force, but was not using it 24 seven, the, the Philips organization who had uh, started their own flying service and within the region Eindhoven, it's very well known, the Philips uh, Vliegdienst, uh, where uh, maybe a lot of uh, people somewhere uh, still know about. Uh, they start talking about, from, can we use uh, the facilities because we also have a need to, to fly and we don't want to go to Germany or Schiphol or uh, Brussel to, uh, to go to our uh, factories and offices uh, abroad. So uh, they started uh, the uh, more the civil part again, business-wise, uh, at Eindhoven. Uh, and that uh, jump-started uh, in, the, in the 70s and the 80s, already again, uh, normal civil flights, by back then the, the big ones, KLM and, uh, and the like. And then you started the transition uh, in, the, in the 90s, uh, where um, the, the type of operators and airlines you see currently, like Transavia, Ryanair and Wizz Air, uh, that uh, have a more mean and lean business model to start operating at, uh, at Eindhoven and to, to, to serve the region with uh, air travel to places uh, people uh, need and want to go. Yeah, indeed. So we have uh, military use, we have uh, commercial touristic use, but you were telling me that we did not lose all you know, those um, pilots who are passionate about flying their own little jets. Yeah. And the other uh, day... Uh, driving around the airport, I actually had the opportunity to see all three airplanes at the same time in the yeah. air. So you also have the... Yeah, we have the aviation uh, fanatics that are... <laughs> uh, uh, there are about one 400, the new member of the Eindhoven Aero Motor Club. So the, those guys uh, fly little private planes. So uh, you just described uh, the, the, the picture that we see currently about... Uh, in, uh, uh, a military uh, plane and uh, the, the civil airplanes, sometimes you could see that they were waiting for uh, a little two-seater, uh, a little Cessna, uh, that is part of uh, the Aero Club, which is also located here at the airport. So those are the, the, big, uh, the, the three players uh, at, the, uh, uh, at the airport here. Indeed. So you never get bored here at the airport. And we see a lot of people sometimes on the view side, on the side of yeah. the airport, just parking their cars yeah. and taking a look at what happened at the airport. Yeah, I see also constantly looking at the window to see what's <laughs> what's going on. And uh, yeah, I uh, catch myself sometimes doing that uh, the same thing because uh, it never gets bored Yeah, working yeah. here. Do you feel the multicultural dimension at the airport on your everyday working life? Because, of course, uh, the airport for many people is the best or the place to start their holidays yeah. or, you know, to go uh, for work. Yeah. Um, for you is coming to work every day and not necessarily taking a flight. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I don't feel it every day. I feel it every second. How, how do you feel this internalization and multicultural aspect at the airport in your working life? Yeah, you, you tend, if you're an airport, to, to look at the planes. But it's also very interesting to look at the, in the terminal building to see uh, people. People flying away, people coming back, uh, people who uh, are waiting for their friends, family, loved ones uh, to come uh, out of the, uh, the reclaim hall, the arrival uh, halls, and to embrace them with flowers and, and balloons and, and the like. Still, I see that every day. And that's, that's, it, it's, uh, it gives a, a feeling of, of warmth. And uh, that's something wonderful to see. But on the other end, uh, yes, I can imagine that the airport has a little bit the, the perception of it's for the sun and it's for the fun. But now you also connect it to the internationals who love who love and live here. So it has a regional function as well to yeah. keep Brainport going. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, when people fly, um, they have a reason to fly. And everybody has a good reason to fly. 
and for a little over 50% of, uh, of the people, it's about uh, enjoying to go on holiday, to relax after a full year of, uh, of, of work. Um, but that's little more than half of the, uh, the passengers that, that we welcome uh, every day um, travel for that reason. And the other half, if you cut it uh, a little bit uh, uh, like that, you can split it uh, two ways, that uh, one out of, out of every four traveler um, travels, uh, to see friends, family, to go back for a wedding, uh, for a birth or a funeral or, or whatever, that, that, that those kind of social family uh, types of, uh, of reasons. Uh, and the other person that flies uh, needs to travel uh, for work. And then you tend to say those are the business travelers with the suitcases and the, the three-piece suits, uh, the CEOs and uh, decision makers. But uh, you, you would be surprised how many engineers... Uh, mechanics uh, and the like uh, travel uh, to clients uh, within Europe from Eindhoven and also from Europe to Eindhoven to visit one of the many companies that we have here. Yeah, and it's not a secret that we have a booming economy here. So that also attracts uh, people from, from Europe to see if they can do business uh, here. And yeah, how can you do that better to fly directly to Eindhoven, to an airport, uh, uh, from where you can take uh, the bus or the, or the, the taxi uh, to meet uh, your client. And can you steer that? I mean, I can imagine that from the perception of the Brainport region, from the perception of the municipality, they love to have that local role and maybe leave the fun uh, stuff to skip all or somewhere else. Can you influence that or is that all in hands of the airlines who just pick the passengers that pay best? Or that yeah, we try to influence. Yeah, we try to influence that because we have a wish list that's also being uh, uh, on a frequently basis being, being checked within uh, the Brainwood region with a lot of companies to see which destinations uh, we not currently having right now uh, are of interest for them. And it's uh, for us to, to build up that business uh, case and uh, talk with the, uh, the airlines to see if they have room within the limited uh, availability of slots, so that the rights to, to land at an airport, to, uh, to, to exchange one uh, destination for another. And, and is that then more than, than paying lip service to the desirability of it? Because in the end, they will just look at their spreadsheets and financial results in making those decisions. Yeah, but we also financially stimulate uh, new uh, destinations. So uh, we talk with uh, the airlines uh, to see which destination uh, is of interest uh, for them. Uh, we have the numbers to, uh, to prove. There are also data systems uh, where you can see where people uh, uh, are living, uh, booking tickets to which destinations. And if you see, for instance, that there's a, there's a large group within the, we call it the catchment area. So it's not about catching fish, but about catching people in order to, to uh, that, that have uh, the preference for a regional airport to see where they want to go. You see that by the, the booking uh, numbers. To see if there's a destination which is not yet served via Eindhoven Airport, we can build a business case towards the airline. And we have also uh, yeah, a financial way of, uh, of a stimulus to, uh, uh, to help that, uh, that going uh, for the first years. Can I get a discount if I were a large company that runs its own air service? Oh, we have a few here in the, in the region uh, that uh, <laughs> might be uh, tended to uh, to get in touch with, indeed. No, but but but, but true. But uh, for instance, this year we have uh, Oslo uh, back on uh, on the list, and uh, that is something that was on the Brainport list uh, to uh, to fly to. And uh, Transavia is now uh, from uh, I believe March onwards uh, going to to fly to to Oslo because of that reason. Yeah, I also observed that in the summer you have new destinations uh, from the East countries on the map or flying in and off. And I was wondering if that it is linked to the seasonal workers that come over in the summer for, you know, the region works that we require that help because we do know we have not only the engineers, as you say, and the decision makers. This area depends a lot also no. of seasonal workers. And sometimes I see flights coming up in the summer and then you look for, is that destination still there in the winter? It just disappeared from the list. And you see it again next summer. I said, ah, okay. You see probably that demand, as you are saying. Yeah, the, the seasonal influences uh, a little bit. Uh, also, um, uh, how do you say that? Uh, 
well, let's put it, our flight uh, destinations and the way to fly and, and where is uh, based on, on the market. So uh, that means uh, if, for instance, uh, the agriculture season uh, starts in uh, uh, just before summer, then you might see that, uh, that happening. So the airlines know uh, when to fly, where, with uh, which type of, uh, of passengers. And currently we are in the low season, so that means that uh, the... Um, um, the motivation to fly is a little bit uh, less than uh, in the summer periods because then you start indeed the, the more the, the southern European uh, flights uh, in, the, in the flight schedule of Eindhoven Airport. Um, that's based on, on, on the market. So uh, whether it is for, uh, for, for leisure or business-wise, the, um, uh, the people that come here for a few months uh, doing labor in, uh, in agriculture, yeah, that's, that's been all uh, been taken uh, into account yeah. to, make, uh, to, to, to balance... Uh, the um, the destinations and uh, the slots that they uh, that they have. Did you want to address you're, me? You are in the low season. We are on a rainy day to he- today here. Yeah, we have a stiff wind coming from the southwest. Yeah, airplanes are taking off against the wind. Yep. airports thrive well in economic uh, winds that blow maybe not in the right direction. How is it? Today, uh, let's say, economically with the passengers going for the vacations in the summertime, whereas Springport is, 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 is booming. How are you handling that? Is, is that a kind of management strategy that you have there? Well, what we, um, we do is that we try to accommodate uh, the airlines because those are the clients that we actually have because nobody buys tickets via an airport. So basically, the almost 7 million passengers that we have each year fly with the uh, with the airlines uh, what i said is that we constantly uh, talk with the with the airlines to 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 have the most ideal um, uh, spread of destinations and availability of flights uh, throughout uh, the year for instance uh, austria is something that you see currently happening because of uh, the winter sports everyone was on skiing and, uh, and and the like so that's what you see currently uh, more being uh, flown to um yeah, it is of course something that is is key. Our key product is uh, is aviation. Uh, it's about uh, making sure that uh, people that we want to serve within uh, the the wider region uh, go where they need to go. We spoke a little bit about serving people and about aviation, and touched a little bit on the operations of the business of an airport, which is quite complex. I was wondering, did you see a change or a shift in the way um, the airport is managed post-pandemic world? Not as strictly as as that, but more on the soft side, you see a change uh, between uh, the airport prior to uh, 2019 and the beginning of 2020 and how we work right now. So what do you mean on the soft side? I'm very curious to hear uh, more. The human side of uh, mm. how to, uh, because an airport management with all the operational procedures, and uh, which are all based on, on, on safety and security, they haven't changed. Because that's something that the pandem- uh, pandemic... If may, di- probably they increased. If yeah. Now, but what happened, of course, with uh, with COVID is that uh, we were in a strange situation that uh, at the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020, we saw people... Uh, uh, coming out of the airplanes from uh, from Italy, uh, the north of Italy, with uh, their uh, mouth masks uh, on, and we say, well, <laughs> "What the hell's going on?" And uh, <laughs> are they all sound? You know, uh, and we couldn't ex- expect that within two or three months' time, uh, the full operation that we have became to a full stop, almost in two or three weeks' uh, time. And then you need to manage your organization and then you need to manage your people. And at Eindhoven, we have uh, around uh, 1,700 people uh, working uh, with all the external parties like security, uh, the retail partners, uh, the, the ground handling organization that's hired by us to, to do the work at, uh, on the apron and inside of the building. Uh, how to keep the organization together? We vow it coming to work every day and we vow it having flights yeah, well, uh, we made a decision back then is not to come to a f- 100% full stop. So we remained uh, an operating uh, airfield. But th- there were days that we only have one plane coming in. So we had to uh, make sure that the complete operation well, and, and also the, the people in the, in the tower from the, from the military 
uh, they came to work for one plane uh, from Hungary coming in with six or seven people in there. Yeah. And also with five, six stepping on board, going uh, to, uh, to Hungary. And then uh, we closed down again for the next day. And that was like the twilight zone. But you kept it running, which yeah. probably was important. Yeah. Uh, just having that sense of it is not stopped because a lot of organizations, a lot of uh, humans working in other places lost perspective. So keeping it running gives a motivation to, you know, look farther to the future. Maybe it's changing. Maybe it's getting yeah, better. Yeah, but also from a uh, very practical uh, reason is that it's easier once because we all knew that things were somehow uh, at one point in time would uh, would become normal Come again. Come around the corner, yeah. Is that it's 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 uh, easier to um, shift gears up again instead of restart your complete organization from from zero onwards. So uh, that's what we uh, what we chose for some airports like Rock Rotterdam, for instance. They completely uh, shut down, and they had to restart again. Dust everything off. Now we were still a little bit. And uh, uh, ongoing, and that, that helped. So if you couldn't run, at least you walked a little bit, or you know you crawled a little bit. Yeah, you took that decision. Yeah, at least we were moving. Yeah, at yeah. least you're moving. Um, you are touching on uh, on the human side and on the moving, and you very nice described how actually the airport is where you feel probably the strongest emotions. Um, saying goodbye, uh, saying welcome, and the same probably also for the people working here. You also mentioned just um, uh, earlier that the tower, the people in the tower control from the military side, when you explained um, the whole complexity of Eindhoven Airport, one thing that you made me aware of is that as we are looking to the runway here, what every airport has is a tower control, but yeah. we do not see that. No, we are the only airport in the Netherlands uh, that uh, doesn't have its own tower and its own flight control. Yes, because that it is on the military side, right? True, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, that makes the operation also interesting and in running the, uh, the uh, airplane, the, sorry, the airport, and also complex in a way, I assume. Yeah. So how is the collaboration? What are the challenges and what are, you know, the, the plus sides? What goes smoothly in collaborating with a military airbase? Well, the good thing is that um, the collaboration is extremely well. Basically, we run as one organization and that's the way uh, how it's supposed to be. Um, true, uh, this is a military airfield uh, that we're operating uh, on, uh, but most of the flights uh, are civil flights, uh, are done by us. So basically, the um, uh, flight control uh, uh, in the tower, for 80% of the time, they control our flights. So they're also considered as, as colleagues. And uh, they have a uniform, a different uniform on and, uh, the airport operations uh, staff uh, uh, at our airport, but uh, there's, there, there's, there's well, uh, not only and maybe not every minute, but uh, a constant contact uh, with uh, with those guys to to see what's uh, what's going on. So we operate as uh, as one. Same goes for the the fire brigade. Uh, every airport has it, but uh, it's theirs. So they also work for uh, for us. A bird control is also something that uh, they do for us because hey, safety is important in there and you don't want any accidents. So the, the military bird control uh, team also take care of that the, the civil planes land, uh, land safely. And so, so we need to know uh, from each other what's, what's going on. They need to know what, what we are doing, why we are doing uh, things, how we are doing things, so they can um, uh, adapt uh, to that and, and vice versa. So that's why... Um, Everybody uh, that flies here and works here, and also the pilots with the plane, and you just uh, described the situation about the military airplane uh, and, and uh, I believe it was the, the, the two-way airplane uh, they wanted to uh, to start. It's normal here, so uh, we, we don't know any different. yeah any different than uh, what's happening every day. So, if an organization really wants to enhance their collaboration between two different complete, let's see functions or sub-organizations, they have something to learn from Eindhoven Airport. What I'm here is that the purpose of everyone here is safety, people's safety. Yeah. We want people to take off safely, land safe, and be safe around. Yeah. And whatever we do, what, however we make decisions, safety is the most important thing. So we have a common purpose, and two organizations are working together. 
it seems easy. I don't think it is as easy when you hear all kind of, you know, misalignments and misagreements in other organization. But it's really interesting to hear where this really functions well, because I can think that it is a lot to learn from it. Yeah, the, if you talk about safety, the safety procedures at an airport, um, if you write them down, uh, it's as um, big as a telephone uh, book. So, and uh, actually there are people uh, who know everything by heart. So that's, uh, but uh, the, the easy part about it is that, uh, and that's maybe the, um, uh, the key thing for organizations to, to work together is that they share the same goal, same objective. And that's, I think, uh, the common ground you need to, uh, to have in order to have a successful uh, collaboration. And that's what we see here in the, uh, at the airport, that we uh, work to, to, to provide a good product uh, with a good service uh, against maximum safety. And that's what's, uh, what we're all doing. A very thick book that describes all the safety procedures. When doctors get whole lists of things they have to do, they complain that they don't see patients anymore. You have to turn around an airplane in 25 minutes and still have to go through that telephone book of safety regulations. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, but that's uh, the good thing that uh, the safety regulations don't apply to, to everybody. So it's divided within uh, the, the certain processes uh, to, uh, to make sure that uh, a plane can land and uh, people can get aboard. So everybody has a little piece of the pie to, uh, to make sure that everything works uh, like it, like it should be. So we all know what we need to do. So and, and if you walk around here and you see an, uh, at the eight apron people are walking around, uh, they all know their task and they know their little bit uh, of uh, what uh, what they need to do in order to make the complete mechanism work. work. And then I see rather looking processes. <laughs> exactly. So we are touching exactly on what makes real organization successful, right? We talk about having the biggest purpose, understanding what that is, and what we are talking about have defined processes, you know, make it, these processes need to be there, we need to define. And what I hear from you is just now saying, know what you do, what it is your responsibility, have clear responsibility and roles, and understand how what you do really helps the bigger purpose. Yeah. I mean, you made my day, I'm done for today, I can go home. <laughs> but, the so conversation just, <laughs> but the conversation just has to be even more interesting, because it is true, is and the people, when you see them on the apron here, and they know why they have to take the cars uh, within a certain distance of the airplane, why they have to move with a certain speed to offload or uh, upload uh, the luggage. Uh, and it is all interesting. It is almost, we would say, a military clock operation. Here it is closer yeah, to real. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, and, 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 and when you see it happening at all, Seems to look to uh, to run like clockwork and as smooth as clockwork, of course. But uh, now it, it's 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 all um, done by good instructions and to uh, mm -hmm. keep people involved and uh, make sure what what uh, their part in the, the bigger story uh, is indeed. I, I know a lot of people in research labs who think if all these processes are there, the work must be boring. But you are excited. You think it's fun. It is uh, different every day. So yeah, apparently that's possible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, of course. And uh, I think uh, we have the luxury of being in um, in a place. And uh, yeah, I, I, catch, I catch myself during the day also more than a few times to to look outside to see uh, how things are going, uh, why things are happening as they uh, as they happen. To to constantly focus on what we're doing and understand what we're doing. And uh, sometimes. Uh, it looks very normal and like every day, but uh, every day you see differences. So it's uh, it, it sounds like a cliche, and everybody says it. That, uh, no day is the same, but actually <laughs> this year, no no day is is the same here. In any organization, there are mistakes happening, and because we are talking about the importance of the bigger purpose, the importance of understanding roles and connecting, when mistakes are happening because I assume there will be, and we hope they are not too big with or too high impact. What does an airport operation, how, how do we embrace mistakes? How do we look to them? Uh, some people will say mistakes are their opportunities for improvement. Mm -hmm. In other cultures, other organizations will say, mistakes never happen in our organization. We are really doing it by the book. Well, uh, we're all human. <laughs> No, no, of, of course, um, 
the the good story would be that uh, everything happens like uh, like it, it it's planned to happen, but of course something uh, sometimes things uh, don't work out uh, as planned. So what you need to do is uh, to evaluate, and we don't evaluate from an Eindhoven airport uh, NV perspective uh, alone, uh, and also not only our airport operation uh, team, but uh, as I said. Uh, we have a lot of uh, external parties who do part of the job, like security or ground handling or uh, refueling. Uh, those teams meet every day, twice a day, to go through the daily operations to see uh, what what to expect and, uh, and also talk about uh, what they saw before to see how they can improve. And that's where the military police are involved in there as well. And uh, so uh, all the key players in the operational processes uh, uh, come together twice a day to to uh, to brief each other, to inform each other, to evaluate uh, each other and to plan together. Do they also have a freedom to, let's say, improve the, the telephone book? Because that is international regulations, I guess. Uh, many of these organizations who work on constantly improving them and having these uh, stand-ups uh, regularly, they do that because they want to improve their processes. Yeah, but, uh, that, that process would have been a uh, question to ask to, to our uh, security uh, uh, manager in order to uh, to have that complete uh, picture. But uh, we work in an international um, arena. Yeah, so we have um, people... Flying in from uh, from Greece, pilots from Greece, from uh, Turkey, from uh, the south of Europe, uh, the UK, and, and the, the east of Europe. So they all need to work by one book. So you can imagine that we can't do things differently than another airport would do, because uh, then it would be uh, be a mess. Yeah, yeah. So what are you discussing then? Because you cannot rewrite a book, but you want to improve your processes. Yeah, it's in detail. But the devil is in the details, so uh, it's 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 all about these little things. How can we, we improve on on every aspect? And it is, as you say, the devil is in the detail. Is in the human aspect. Very often, what I see is not about changing the big international book, but is changing the environment on the ground to ensure that people can do it the best they can do it. Because when errors are happening, are happening. It comes down to human factor or the wrong process. If the processes are the international one and they are supposed to be the right processes, it comes down to the environment and how our employees and how our staff functions. So what can we change, I suppose, from how we create those environments? Allow me to ask one more question about the airport and then I would really like to move to Hayes, the person before, behind the role of uh, director of communication at the airport. But um, one thing that I was wondering with the growing uh, aspect of the brain port and we see, we hear ISML hiring more and more people, but not only ISML, the high tech campus is growing, more companies, more startups. Um, the area is growing. We had a debate on housing As the area is growing, people are arriving here, as you are saying. Do we need a bigger airport? Is there any foreseen future for yeah, the airport? Yeah, uh, depends who, you, uh, who you're asking that question. Um, uh, basically, and uh, this story goes back uh, five, five to six years uh, ago, the airport was in a situation to uh, re-evaluate, we've talked about processes and agreements with uh, with stakeholders. Uh, we have uh, many stakeholders and uh, one of them is, of course, uh, the, the group of people who live around the airport. Uh, Eindhoven Airport has seen uh, a big growth since uh, the beginning of uh, the millennium, end of the 1990s. Um, and currently we're at, uh, last year, at uh, 6.8 million people. And that's pretty much. So we have uh, more than uh, 40.000 flights. So if you, uh, I'm better in words than, than in, in numbers, but uh, round it out with 100 flights uh, a day. 10, 15 years ago, it was uh, not even one third uh, of all that flight. So uh, people noticed that there were more planes in the, in the sky. And also the, the tendency uh, more on a social level to, towards aviation uh, has also grown a little bit more negative in the last uh, few years because uh, we are the poster child of uh, um, uh, sustainability and uh, climate change uh, and the like. So uh, all eyes are on, on aviation to make, that, uh, to make that change. So we're in the position... To, um, to define our role. 
uh, five to six years ago, that was actually the case when we discussed the, uh, the, the development and the, the, the future development uh, for, uh, for Eindhoven Airport. And basically what we agreed upon is a standstill. So the, the 40,000 flights I just mentioned are, are still the same numbers as we did uh, in 2019. So we made an agreement with uh, the, the region of Eindhoven and the inhabitants, city councils and, and the like in the province to not to grow above 40,000 flights. Um, if you see the development of the Brainboard area, uh, which is uh, for some countries, um, they, they are jealous uh, of it. You would say, well, from an entrepreneurial point of view, uh, you need to grow in, in the same pace as the mm -hmm. economical environment uh, is doing. Uh, we have said, well, let's try to see if we can uh, not create a bigger airport, but a better airport to make sure that the destinations are more in balance with the need uh, of, of, of the region. Uh, the story we just had uh, yeah. a few minutes ago is that we try to see from, okay, what's the regional need and how can we uh, translate that into um, um, a good list and a menu card of destinations that you can fly to and also persuade the uh, the airlines to to fly to destinations brainport wants us to fly to and that's what we need to uh, need to work on so it's not about growing in size it's not about growing in space and growing in quality uh, growing in quality yeah growing making the business smarter and looking to diversification or selection of destinations on what the brainport area needs yeah and it is interesting, this uh, makes me think to what um, our mayor in Eindhoven said is, we also have to be careful on how fast we grow and what this fast growth means to our economical area, because it doesn't, it comes also with some with the price. consequences yeah. and with the price. <laughs> yeah. You touch on sustainability, and I know sustainability is also one of your topics. How does sustainability and flying and so many flights, maybe less than in other airports, linked together because some people will are of the opinion that, you know, flying is not so sustainable, it's not so good for the planet. Yeah. Um, air travel adds value. Let's put it, for, because otherwise it wouldn't exist. So um, we saw by the numbers of people who, uh, who chose to, to fly again after, after COVID, uh, the numbers have, have increased and we are not only back on track, but last year we had uh, more people flying uh, than uh, than before. So there's a need, there's a, there's a desire for people uh, to go abroad uh, for, for leisure purposes or to visit family, but also economically. So that's a fact. That, um, but if you want to, to do something like that, you need to do that in the best way possible so that uh, um, the environmental impact is as low as possible. So what we did as an organization uh, at the end of last year, um, um, we looked at our product, the way how we uh, do a, manage a product currently, and how we would look that, uh, how, how we would like to to see that happening in, for instance, 2030. So we said, well, okay, uh, first look at, at, at the types of products that we have. So we, what we did was um, we took a decision, and it wasn't an easy one because it's part of our uh, portfolio like, for, for for a few years is that the, the business private jet um, service that we offer, um, which sometimes have only maybe two or three people in, uh, in a plane, is something that maybe it's difficult to support that. Uh, so let's try to, uh, to wind it down. So we said, well, okay, from 20, uh, 2026 onwards, for January, let's stop providing that uh, we call it general aviation uh, side of, uh, of Eindhoven Airport. So that's already a pretty bold step for, uh, for an airport to, uh, to cut down a service which has a need. Uh, the other thing is that uh, we look at innovation. Um, in order to make um, flying more sustainable, you can choose to change fuel. Currently, you have uh, kerosene that uh, is being used by, uh, uh, by airplanes. Um, we are working on sustainable aviation fuel, and that starts with, with biofuel, and in the end that needs to be transitioned into um, um, as, uh, synthetic fuel. It's not available in large portions yet, but we said, well, okay, we need to make sure that by 2030 
we have a lot of more planes flying on sustainable aviation uh, fuels. And not only the current uh, generation of planes, no, there is also um, innovation in the type of planes and the engines that, uh, that they, uh, they have. Uh, swap to 100% only the new generations. Uh, you, maybe people know about the Boeing Max uh, and the, the Airbus uh, Neo. Those have different uh, engine uh, uh, engines uh, compared to the older generations. Less noise, uh, uh, less uh, CO2 and other emissions uh, in there because they run more efficient. Um, we want in 2030 only those types of airplanes at Eindhoven Airport. And we're the first airport in, in the world to make that uh, to make that call. So then you need to talk to the airlines, of course, uh, because they need to deliver uh, on that. And well, those are pretty uh, intense uh, discussions uh, that management has with uh, this kind of organization in order to, to to have that happen. But so so we are aware of our role and our responsibility to make sure that uh, if we offer a product uh, that's linked to, to aviation, we do that in the best way possible. And also maybe take a few steps uh, more than other airports or aviation uh, organizations uh, would take. Yeah, it does um, seem a very important step from an airport that you might think it is a small airport to demand such a big change. But that tells me and confirms that you are never too small no. to really ask for the right change at the right time. Yeah, You just need to do it. To start somewhere. Yeah, and because uh, maybe because of the size, uh, and for instance, Schiphol also has the same ambitions, uh, but they're bigger. So maybe for us, it's it's a little bit easier to uh, to be a front runner in, in certain ways and to, to pave the way for others. And uh, it suits us, and yeah. it, and it suits also an airport that is linked to to Brainport, which has a, uh, the, the front runner role in order to to pave the way and to to be ahead of. Developments. So uh, basically, uh, the, the DNA of, of Brainport is in, in, is in the DNA of an airport to do things uh, to look further than, uh, than than today. It is indeed in the Brainport area DNA to go for innovation. So uh, why not driving it at the airport yeah. as well? Hayes, let me ask you about uh, shift a bit the conversation from the airport, but not too far. No. <laughs> to your first flight. My first flight. Do you remember where it was and yeah, where did you I take know. your destination airport? It was uh, with an uncle of mine uh, in, uh, in, a, in a, I think, a two-person Cessna. He, uh, <laughs> he was actually uh, a member of uh, the Aero Club uh, here. And we were living in, uh, also still in Brabant, in the western part, in Rosendaal, uh, near, uh, near Breda. And you have uh, an airport there. And uh, he picked me up for a little uh, tour around uh, the, the environment and then fly back. So uh, that was my first uh, flying experience uh, together with him in a uh, very shaky. I still remember it. It's, uh, it's more than 40 years ago, but it's uh, the, the feeling and the sound. And uh, it's, uh, it was remarkable. I was expecting anything like this. That's remarkable indeed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, fast forward 40 years later, where are you coming every day for? At the airport, busy with safety and communication of uh, airplanes and um, the operation of the airport. What, um, how was your journey to, you know, we, we go in an airplane because we go to a journey somewhere, but our life is a journey as well. Yeah. So if you think back to that first experience on the airplane and you think to where you are now, how is your journey to get to your passion of today to really see, because I can hear in your voice when you talk about the different aspects of the airport, it seems that you are really connected to it. You are not describing me a job that fulfilling a role that you come to do from nine to five. Yeah. Now, the reason why, uh, because uh, I joined this organization uh, a little over than five years ago, and the reason why I joined uh, this, uh, this organization was that, um, that's what I wrote in my letter of application, um, I want to make Brainport and Region Brainport proud of the airport. Uh, you said in the introduction, I have a um, uh, background also in journalism. So if you're into journalism a little bit and into news and into, into stories, uh, you have the tendency to dive a little bit more in, in what's behind the bigger uh, story. And that was 
always something that interests me of Eindhoven Airport because I live uh, 10 kilometers uh, away. So uh, I, I, I grew up at the airport and uh, I saw it uh, move from Van Meer over to here. Uh, uh, we flew from, from Eindhoven Airport, but it was all this tendency what it, it's, it's the airport and that's the region. So there was a little bit of a, of, of a gap uh, in, in, in between. And it's, currently that still is. So what I said in the beginning uh, is that I wanted to make uh, Eindhoven Airport, Eindhoven Airport again, to make that connection with uh, where we are as an, uh, as an organization and who to serve and, and in the region where we're part of. So uh, to, to, build that, uh, to build that bridge. And then um, working here for a couple of years, uh, learning more on what we do, how we do it, uh, who travels via uh, uh, our airport, but also to see what, what's going on within the bigger Brainport region. You see something uh, that is uh, connected together, and that's uh, the people from abroad uh, coming into uh, to Eindhoven to, to create a Brainport as we know it right now and as we, we will know it tomorrow. And, that's, and, and I know it's, it's a big uh, social debate on... Uh, uh, it's like, like we need them, but we can't. Uh, you, you can't live with them. You can't live without them. A little bit. Is, is that um, why is that such a big question mark? And uh, uh, and being an eight-year-old in uh, in an airplane that takes off, and you have a bigger view of what uh, what you see out there. Uh, um, that bigger view helps people to understand more uh, on on a bigger scale. Uh, what are the, the good things and the bad things of developments that, that, that go on? And the reason why I'm, I'm personally also engaged in, in, in the story about the people that I see every day walking uh, through our gates, some already for a few years, some newcomers that uh, uh, want to study uh, here in Eindhoven uh, because um, well, you work at Technical University of Eindhoven. And what I learned was that the coming year uh, you have, for instance, the, uh, the, the first year students, uh, for the first time, the, the, the largest group is, is foreign uh, more, uh, compared to uh, this movie. You cannot ignore it. And the same goes for people who want to, 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 uh, to come and work here. And from agriculture to, to the, the, uh, the high-tech uh, jobs, uh, we need them in order to embrace the growth that we all want to embrace. But uh, we have difficulties as, an, uh, as a society, especially regional society, to also see, okay, how then can we fix uh, the things that come along with uh, people coming uh, coming here? So, so we need the people, period, and then we need to make sure that, um, and that in, in aviation terms, people from abroad that help us uh, achieve our common goals have also a soft landing in uh, in, in the area. Um, and I see that as a, as a joint responsibility. And because I see those people every day walking in through our gates, somehow you get you, you get engaged. With uh, with them, and um, yeah, th I think that's very important to, to realize that that it's something to uh, to be aware of, and uh, I think it offers more uh, opportunities and uh, and chances than uh, threats. So you are the first one welcoming their hopes of having a soft land in this area. Yeah, in in, in a way, uh, but. At, now, to, to turn around to the, the story, it's not about that uh, we uh, we look at them and say, okay, there we have another one from Eastern Europe or South of Portugal that's going to steal a job and steal a house. No, of course not. It's it's, it's not like that. It's uh, uh, We're all proud of uh, what the region has achieved. Uh, we have a good football team uh, that has the metropolitan region uh, on, on the chest uh, uh, doing wonderful uh, stuff. And um, But look at the bigger picture and, and take that all into uh, to account. To make Eindhoven proud of the airport, where do you stand? Because you, you sketch a lot of developments. There are challenges to create that engagement. But yeah, now it's difficult. Towards it's pride. difficult. Pride. Yeah, it's difficult. Now, of course, now we. So, uh, so you still have a job. Yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> not not only myself, but the the, the complete organization uh, has a job in uh, in mm -hmm. doing things uh, the best way possible. And making Eindhoven proud of the airport, which I think still is also something to uh, to do. Yeah. You're doing the communications there. That must also be um, challenging every now and then. You mentioned the people who hear the airplanes coming over, but at the same time, pack their luggage and embark. Yeah, yeah true. I know we, um, we had Extinction Rebellion last year, uh, knocking on the door at our gates, going through the gates, actually. <laughs> To, to, uh, to make a statement about their position of, uh, of aviation. Uh, we have uh, people uh, we talk to on a daily basis uh, 
in a good way, yeah, in a very constructive uh, way, who live here, who saw the uh, the, um, the airport grow and uh, warn that there are also people uh, living, uh, being the neighbor of, of Eindhoven Airport, so that uh, also see things that uh, they haven't asked for. Yeah, that comes with the cost of growth and development, may, may innovation, yeah. globalization, internalization. Yeah, and, and that, that that's not needs to be balanced. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It is always that right balance between the locals and the newcomers. Um, everyone wants to live as good as they can. Yeah. And um, for the locals, it's sometimes also more difficult to, to understand because you always have been there. You see the change, but you don't necessarily need, as you said, you did not ask for the change. Yeah, true. So that uh, balancing act, I do understand, is, is not uh, easy. No. What um, do you take out of uh, your experience uh, as a journalist, as a communicator, as working here, that you think really serves the way you position uh, the story you want to tell? Because as you said, nowadays it's very important how we construct a story about the business, about what we want others to feel and think about who we are and what we do. Yeah, all this conversation, I think, is a very good example on, uh, on, on how to do that. Now it's about stepping out. It's about uh, explaining who you are, what you do, uh, why you do things, uh, the, thing, the things you do um, to as many people as possible. I think that's uh, that's a key thing. So so so, so telling uh, what you're all about and uh, and providing um, the information people need to uh, to create their own picture around Eindhoven Airport in this uh, in this case, so, so that they can uh, create their own opinion of uh, uh, the topic of uh, r- regional airport. Yeah, being, being transparent, being visible. Yeah. Being visible. Yeah, open door policy and, and, and the like, and uh, being transparent. I like you add every time a new break to this um, leadership uh, manual, maybe. <laughs> but it is it is so important, as you say, the bigger picture, the clarity of why do you do what you do, creating visibility and being there out to answer to people's questions on why things are going in a certain way. I asked you about your first flight and the answer was very interesting. I did not expect that. I would have said you <laughs> went to a holiday. Now, no. what was your last flight? <laughs> My last flight? Oh, phew, that was... Uh, when was that? Now people always... Uh, that, that's, that's a funny thing. People uh, often think when you work at an, at an airport or an aviation that you fly every week. But uh, my last flight was, I think, four or five years ago to Italy together with my wife. Oh, nice. So, yeah. a holiday flight. And did you fly from Eindhoven Airport? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now it was a birthday present for my wife. She turned 40, 40 and uh, we had a party. And uh, that was the gift that she got from her sisters uh, for us to have a getaway uh, from three small kids uh, weekend uh, <laughs> to ourselves. Nice. Yeah. They cannot run on the runway behind the airport. They stay here with us. No, they were well taken care of. So that was uh, well, not a problem at all. But uh, no, that was the, I think, the last time that, uh, that I flew. Yeah. Because if not, the other way you use transportation is, of course, bike. I assume you are a Dutchman. Yeah. <laughs> I bike to work every day. <laughs> okay. Um, I think we are hitting our time to the hour. And I wanted to ask you, what would you like to leave our listeners with from, you know, your uh, wisdom in communication, in um, uh, aviation, in leadership? There's a big sign outside of a terminal. It's not the sign of Eindhoven Airport, but it's the welcome sign at our tourniquets when uh, when you walk in. And I think that's what I want to... uh, uh, to touch upon is that uh, everybody is welcome. Everybody's welcome in the uh, in the area. Uh, if you're flying, if you're not flying, if you have questions, uh, we're here to answer questions. Uh, we hope that we are welcome as an organization as well when we go uh, into the region and uh, to tell our uh, story in order to create a common ground and uh, to make sure that uh, people understand what we do and how we do it. Sounds like you want to make it to make people feel. On board, what does on board mean for you? Engaged in the organization, in the region? Yeah, I think exactly that. To, 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 um, 
to have everybody on the same page. And that, that's maybe uh, too far off of, of, of reality because some people you cannot influence or they have a mindset that, uh, uh, okay, you need to respect and they will never turn uh, the other way around. And that's not a problem uh, at all because that, that's, that's how society uh, works. But a lot of people um, hear stories, read stories about uh, aviation airports and, and the like. That's um, yeah, that. There's more to tell and more to know, and I think that's uh, our goal to to, uh, to touch upon that and to reach that audience as well. Thank you very much for this overview and for this journey through the history of the Eindhoven Airport and some very good wisdom leadership helps. And thank you for the soft landing. I hope it was a safe landing. <laughs> for the beautiful view that we have and we will uh, share some pictures with our listeners so they do not miss anything. Yeah, and the weather is clearing up so I hope that's a good sign. <laughs> that's a very good sign. So uh, ready to land? <laughs> and that was a new edition of Rallo Onboard and we would certainly like to thank the Director of Communications of Eindhoven Airport, Kees Franken. Thank you very much. You're thank welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being on board. Thank you. Ralu on board.